Hello everyone, I'm your host Toko and this is my podcast, The Verse for That. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank, welcome, welcome back. So today, as you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about true light versus the fake light. And this is going to be dealing with the two instances where Jesus does talk about the light and how what how that impacts us and what that means for us today. So let's just get right into it. Before we get into it, I just wanted to say thank you so much for a thousand listens on my podcast. I am so grateful. We we hit that, I think, last week. And last week was a mess for me, but I did manage to upload. I just didn't didn't promote it. So if you thought I didn't upload, it's up. I think the last episode was on... I don't remember what it was. Oh, moving forward and not moving on. And yeah, that was the last episode that I uploaded. I just did not didn't get a chance to promote it on my instagram but yeah thank you so much for a thousand listens i am so grateful for this ministry god is moving in i believe people that listen to my podcast i've heard some feedback i'm so thankful i think i was so emotional when i heard it and just moving in my life to be you know more mature spiritually mature because i've this week has been kind of a week of like okay let's start actually transitioning into becoming an adult i'm no longer like a high schooler in te- in, in high in I'm not, a, I'm not a teenager in high school anymore i'm now going into the real world so let's start adopting those type of adults like habits so that was like a lot i had to do but you know what we'll get there and you know god willing as i commit my action to the lord i will succeed you know not just for me but for the ministry that I have and the podcast is as a whole and just my life being a testimony of Christ. So pray for me all. But as I said, thank you so much for a thousand listens. I am beyond grateful for that. Thank you for listening and thank you, God, for allowing me to have this, you know. And I think it just made me more aware of what I'm doing and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because it's not for me, it's not for me to gloat it's just more so for people to relate to the bible and actually want to fall in love with jesus through my podcast through what i say through the topics that we talk about through what we don't say you know kind of going back in your own space and you know trying to take away from the podcast and start your own little journey so yeah like i said thank you so much and please continue to support me and i will try as much as possible not to let you guys down anyway moving forward we're going to be talking about um, the light and I want to talk about two instances and these are very particular instances. One is, I think, quite interesting and one is like, okay, something that we've all heard before type of thing. And both of them are kind of verses that I think most of us have heard before in the Christian circle, the Christian space. So I'm reading from John 8 verse 12 and Luke 11 and I want to start in luke 11 because this is something that i think we've all heard but we don't really understand so luke 11 verse 30 33 and it's in the section called receiving the light and it says no one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. When you when it is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light that you have is not actually darkness. Verse 36. If you're filled with light, with no dark corners, 
then your life, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. And I think the scripture is very interesting. And I think we normally read the first part and say, okay, I must let my light shine and be an impact and everything and attract people to Christ, you know, bring people to God, you know, spread the gospel. But I think the second part of the verse, I mean, of this section, verses 34 to 36 because 33 is the is the action you know like go out there and be the light type of thing but 33 and to 36 is quite important as well because this is talking about what kind of habits we have and what our eyes you know as we hear the eyes are windows to the soul it's not necessarily you know completely wrong because what you see affects what your heart because if you're watching inappropriate stuff on the internet you're gonna be affected spiritually by that if you're seeing people do all sorts of things you're gonna be enticed by that because you're allowing your eyes to feast on what they're seeing so that's not that's not the, the whole saying of the, the eyes of the window of the soul is not completely you know incorrect so what what you the word is saying here that whatever it is that you see is a lamp. It actually shines, you know, it shines a light to your spiritual self. And you, it says here your body, your whole body. And like I mentioned, if you're watching inappropriate things, if you know what I mean, I'm not going to talk about those things. But just for the sake of, you know, providing clarity, if you're watching inappropriate thing, your whole body is going to be affected. That's why in First Corinthians, Paul says, you know, no sin clearly affects the body such as this one, meaning sexual morality. And most of the time when we are participating, or not we, but most people, I mean, if, it is, if, it is, if it's us, then it's us, you know, whatever. But when we are participating in sexual morality, when we're looking at stuff, it affects our bodies. You know, we get through changes, we feel certain things. And this is the scripture that's saying that it's not necessarily um, exclusive to sexual morality, but it's not limited to it at the same time. And so as I was saying, this is actually talking about the personal um, individual work because what you see, if your eye is good, you know, if you are training your spiritual eyes to see the right things, then your whole body is good. And verse 36 and verse 35 is also very important where it says, make sure that, make sure that the light that you have is not actually darkness. And we're going to be talking about that in John. But as for now, verse 36, when he says, if you're filled with light and no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. This is important because it says here, how do, how do you check? It's basically saying, how do you check if you're filled with light, with no dark corners, if you're filled with complete light? Your whole life will be radiant, you know? I think when we take verse 34, 33 and take it into consideration with verse 36, we say, oh, I'm supposed to be spreading the gospel, but my life should be the gospel. It should be spreading the light. You know, we say, OK, I should be I should be doing actions. But no, your life, your complete body, your actions, your mind, your thoughts, your eyes should be radiant. It says here, your it says here, your whole life will be radiant meaning every aspect of your being will be will be radiant if you have if you're filled with light with no dark corners and i think it's interesting because 
with no dark corners means that with no compromise. You cannot be in the dark and in the light. You have to be fully in the light to have your whole life being radiant. And the perfect person to follow is saying this. He's saying that you have to be like me. Not necessarily perfect, but follow after me who is the true light. As he says here in John 12. Not John 12, John 8 verse 12, which says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not, you will not have to walk in darkness because you will be filled with light that leads to life. Jesus is giving us the answer. He's not just saying, if you have this, then you're going to have that. He's telling us that if you have me, if you follow me, as it says clearly in the word here, verse 12, if you follow me, you will not have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. The only way to live in light and to follow the true light is to follow Jesus. There's nothing else. There's nothing in the world for us. There's absolutely nothing out there besides fake light. And what is fake light, might you ask? We have to look at the true light for us to see what the fake light is in contrast. So I decided to talk about the true light being Jesus in the context of the way he lived his life. Because as we spoke about in in Luke, you genuinely have to train your whole body to be filled with light, as we spoke about just now. And who did that? Jesus. And in the very chapter of John 8, he models it out very perfectly. He doesn't necessarily say, do this like me. It's completely in his actions. And it's actually in the in the section that starts John 8, which is the woman caught in adultery. And I know it sounds like, huh? How is this going to come? How is this going to make sense? But please bear with me. Please bear with me. And so I decided to compare Jesus's actions that reflect his light nature, quote unquote light or light filled nature to the fruits of the Holy Spirit, because whatever you shine Whatever, wherever you shine light, something's going to happen. Something's going to either be seen, masked, or exposed. And if the true light is shining, then his actions are going to be exposed right in front of our eyes. Because when we see, when we have light shining on something, we're able to see something more clearly. And I think this is an example of seeing Jesus more clearly. So, for those who don't know, there was a day, um, if, if you want to read, it's the, literally John 8, I mean, John 8, verse 1 to 11. And this is basically the time when Jesus says, whoever hasn't sinned um, can cast the, fir- the first stone and all the teachers of religious law basically one by one leave. And he says, go and send no more to this woman that was caught in adultery because those these religious leaders brought her to the brought her to Jesus when he was preaching. And I think most of us read that story. I'm like, yes, Jesus stood up for the for woman. Yes, he's the, he, the perfect one. The one who was perfect didn't even cast the stone. Very true. Very accurate. I'm not condemning that. But I wanted to I wanted to see why Jesus, why this was said before Jesus said spoke about being the true light and i think it was pretty interesting to compare this to the whole to the fruit of the holy spirit because whatever jesus did which was in light bared fruit and so does fake light also bear fruit and we're going to get into that but first 
let's just get into the fruit of the holy spirit so in this example of the woman in the woman caught in adultery how he showed love was he did not condemn her and it says i think it's in romans there's no condemnation in christ he literally said um he asked her where are your sinners I and mean, where where are your accusers did not didn't any one of them condemn you then she says no lord and then he says the last part of um verse 11 neither do i go and sin no more that is that is perfect love and aside from the aside from the the greatest display of love being on the cross before he went on the cross he was already showing us love by not condemning her as these religious leaders did peace he dissolved he dissolved the conflict um by calling on their righteousness by that i mean he questioned you know he said okay fine all right that's what the law says it's true but it says here in verse seven all right but let he who has not sinned throw the first stone and he did that as well as just say one thing he literally just said two sentences he he didn't he didn't he didn't argue with them when when he when they actually brought this woman to him he was stooping and writing something in the ground completely in peace not conf not feeling riled up or anything that is the that is a display of peace and that is in direct comparison i mean in direct contrast to the teachers of religious law who were coming at him with this woman and saying teacher the law says da, 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 what do you say and they and it says here in verse six they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him but jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger didn't engage whatsoever didn't engage and this is a good example of peace and next fruit of the holy spirit patience the accusers slipped away one by one and that took a long time beginning from the oldest and this was like a group of teachers of religious law he could have he could have he could have shouted at them he could have said something say you know what yeah i disappear you go you go you go and instead he he decided to let them sit with their with the question that he posed or the question or questioning their righteousness he let them sit with that and you know, eventually let them leave one by one. That must have taken forever because I'm, I don't think any of us realize that they used to move in groups, these teachers of religious laws, not all the time, but in this case, they moved in a group. And they even heard, he even heard them out. He even had the patience to hear what they were saying. And it wasn't necessarily wrong, but they were using it for their own selfish ambition to condemn this woman and to seem so righteous like yes we're doing the right thing we're reading we're reading the world of all these types of immoral women you know and jesus still sought, still decided to hear them out that is patience and most of us don't necessarily have that because i think even in the christian circles we'll be like oh yes yes they're wrong you know um you got you guys are gonna be condemned to hell you're going to hell and it's like that's not christ-like behavior in this example he literally heard them out but he didn't necessarily agree with what they were saying he didn't he didn't completely agree he agreed that, the, that, that that's, what, that's what the lord that's what the, the word said or the law of moses said but he informed it with love by not condemning her and he used his his status as the son of man 
for good. That's a, that's a form of kindness. You know, that's a form of kindness and self-control. Because had the teachers of religious law had the same power of Jesus, they would have been, you know, going crazy. And even with the little power that they have as teachers of religious law, as Pharisees, they used it to condemn this woman. And the savior, the savior of the world decided to not condemn her and told her to go and sin no more. You know, it's quite interesting how they came with accusations and he came with instructions for this woman, you know. And that's what sets Jesus apart from these Pharisees. And that's what makes him the true light. He was reflecting God's love by convicting her, by saying, yes, go and sin no more. He acknowledged her sin, but he told her, to go and do something else he didn't just completely condemn her that's the difference between conviction and condemnation conviction comes with solutions condemnation comes with just bitterness and anger so that's a form of him being kind and good another way he was he was kind to her it was he simply asked her where are your accusers you know he asked her where are your accusers and later on, he even says in verse 14 of the same chapter, he says, these claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For you know where I come, for I know where I come from. I know where I'm going, but you don't know anything about me. You judge me by human standards, but I do not judge anyone. Quite literally, he didn't judge her. And he, his actions of asking her, are supported by what he's saying here later on. And that's that's part of the fruit of, of the Holy Spirit being kindness, being kind. And he was also good to her. And instead of fighting with them, he just, you know, tested their righteousness, righteousness as, as I said, and he did not condemn her. And faithfulness, in the very beginning of this chapter, it says that he was back again at the temple. And if you know Jesus, he loved his father's house. And I think one example that kind of maybe might go over people's heads, I think it went over mine, was when he was turning tables at the temple. That was not an act to be rebellious or um, create shock value. That was him showing his passion for the love of, of the temple or the love of the house of God. And calling out the, the unrighteousness that was going on out of love. He loved it so much that when something bad is going on, he was like, no, completely not. We're not going to change this. We're not going to change this place into a marketplace. We're going to make this a place of worship. And that, that, that was the whole reason behind why he was, you know, flipping tables or whatever. And why I'm speaking about this is because he, out of love, he was faithful to come back and teach at the temple. It literally says in verse one, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, verse two, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A, a crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. He was faithful. He was faithful. You know, he was faithful to, to teach. He was faithful to go back to his father's house. And I think it's quite inspiring because sometimes faithfulness can be hard and I know it wasn't necessarily hard for Jesus but I think for us humans like oh I need to be faithful to this because there's just so many things happening nowadays but 
I think the example is that is here. Jesus was faithful to go back to the temple where he, where he probably even knew that these teachers of religious law, as they often did, would come and accuse him and call him out and try and pick on him. But he was faithful because of the love that he had for God. And I think we should be so led by the love of God to come to church or to go to church and to be together and to be in the presence of God. And I know church or the presence of God is not confined to a building, but it's not restricted to be, it's not, it's not restricted to the building, but it's also not, it's also not, not found in the building. It's also, it's also not, not found in the building. Like in me, I mean that we can also find the presence of God in the building of the church, because that's where we find like-minded Christians, like-minded people. We find the community of Christ and that's as it, that's as important as spreading the gospel, finding a, a solid foundation. So, yeah. Um, the next fruit that he showed in this was gentleness. And instead of using harsh words against, I mean, to, towards both the Pharisees and the woman that was being accused, he either stooped to the ground and or just said literally three sentences three sentences and they were both they were both righteously said you know and i think we sometimes see jesus as being this like calling out like you hypocrite whatever but even in those moments he's not necessarily chast he's not necessarily condemning them he's just chastising them and if you know i think it's psalms 23 when he says that um, you are on your stuff. Guide me. Those are not. Those are not like. Those are not like soft, little, caressing things. It's not necessarily saying that the shepherd is abusing the sheep, but it's to like you know guide them to the right place, be it through a little bit of force and a little bit of tough love. And I think that's symbolic of some of how sometimes discipline is not nice. It's not it's not necessarily always good to be on the receiving end of discipline, but it's always needed needed and the word also says that um he disciplines us because he loves us. And I think I've spoken about this on my Instagram about how um if if we have if we have to see a spoiled child would question the parents parenting and if we see a well-disciplined child, we would think, oh, that, that parent has raised their child nicely. And the same applies in our faith. When we are disciplined by God, it's because he loves us and he wants what's best for us. And even in the gentleness or even in the perceived harsh words, God, Jesus is still being gentle and he's still showing us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. Second last gift, I mean, fruit of the Holy Spirit that he showed us was self-control and um, I think I mentioned this about how even as the righteous one, he chose not to condemn her. And it wasn't necessarily because Jesus was dealing with a power struggle, but it was just to show us what self-control looks like from a, from his perspective. And and also how the teachers, the teachers of religious law, the Pharisees, also lacked self-control in that sense of literally bringing one woman and ganging up on her because you feel so righteous kind of crazy kind of insane but yeah he showed us self-control by showing us by being faithful to his teaching 
because like I said, he was faithful to come to the temple every morning and also to not condemn this woman. And also he does not even condemn the Pharisees here. So yeah, last gift. I'm not, why, why, why do you want to say gift? Last fruit of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He is teaching at his father's house. And I put it simply as that because I think, like I said, there's just, there must be so much joy that Jesus must have had to be in the presence of the father in his temple or at his house for him to be doing it early morning and doing it again. And I I'm I've felt that before when I have when I have been in, in the presence of God for so long I don't want to leave like I do not want to leave and even I, as I was getting ready to come and record today I was like oh I'm so excited to record I'm so excited, I'm so excited to to share this and everything and yeah I think that's just like a little bit of like a like a like a shrivel of what Jesus must have been feeling because Jesus is part of the tri the tree the trinity what would i say the triune god the trinity and whatever fruit that the holy spirit was whatever fruit that the holy spirit is known for jesus must have experienced himself because he's part of the the trinity so hopefully those have made sense and why i decided to speak on these is because this is how we see Oh, this is how we this is how we prove that Jesus was the true light was by his actions and his actions always bear fruit. And I chose to to contrast this to the to the fruits of the Holy Spirit purely because I also wanted to highlight what is the fruit of the world. Because prior to Galatians, this is where the the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, Galatians 22 to 23, in verse 20 to 21. It also talks about the fruit of the world. And we're going to be talking about the Pharisees' actions here in the context of some of the fruits of the world. One of them being, one major one that I wanted to talk about is dissension. And dissension is basically discourse that leads to like an argument. And they were literally, quite literally, were coming at Jesus, guns blazing. And they were saying, Quite literally, they were saying, teacher, in verse 4, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in an act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? And they had malicious intent. Had had Jesus not been there, they would have probably stoned her. If Jesus did not come back, as it says, return to the Mount of Olives and even teach the temple the next day they probably would have stoned her and they were probably looking for approval by from this righteous person that, that they don't really see as righteous at the same time but they do because they want approval from a fellow righteous person so they can feel righteous kind of weird energy from the from the from the pharisees here but yeah they were they were looking for the go-ahead they were thinking, yeah, he's, he's probably, probably going to say yes. He's going to say yes. So yes, let, let's let's even gather the stones, y'all. And to their surprise, Jesus says, no. Like if you're if you never sinned, then go ahead. And that must have been like, dang it, that must have been like really, like kind of like a sh- a shock to the system because it went against their 
their sinful nature. Shocker. But anyway, um, they they displayed the fruit of the fruit of the world being dissension, as well as selfish ambition because they knew their position as righteous people and the fact that they even dragged this woman. I'm seeing like grabbing this woman, like two or three men grabbing this woman to be thrown in front of Jesus. That was them trying their hardest to point the finger at her and to say, yeah, we're going to use our position as as people, of, of as men of God to condemn this woman. Is that not selfish ambition? As well as hostility, being hostile to this woman and being hostile to Jesus further down after he says, I am the light of the world. They, he, they literally said, you're not making, you're making these claims about yourself such testimonies are not valid. Such testimony is not valid, and that's showing hostility and quarrelling because not only are they questioning Jesus, they're also picking a fight with him and saying, "Yeah, you, you, your opinion irrelevant," and that's kind of instigating, as we know it today, and this this ultimately points to what Jesus says. Back in Luke, in Luke eleven, not not in Luke eleven, he 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 describes them in another part of scripture when he's condemning them as hidden graves in the field, and that's quite that's quite interesting because he's talking about how they are righteous on the outside, but have are not righteous on the inside. They love to receive. Um, honorable greetings in the marketplace and sit in high places but they but their inside their internal beings are not as righteous and to describe them as hidden graves in a field is interesting because it shows that like when you're not he even says that people who are not watching carefully might even tra- trample upon that grave and what he's saying there is that these pharisees because of their because of their hidden agendas and their selfish ambition, people who are following them to get the light are actually going to fall into darkness, which is the grave. They themselves have fallen into death because of their false light. So they're also going to attract people to that false light. And what that means for us today is that when when we're seeing false prophets, self-help gurus, spiritual leaders, all these other people who are not founded in Christ, we are vulnerable to those people because of how high-sounding they may sound, how spiritual they may sound to us. And if we're not going to see with our eyes and discern and to to compare their actions to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which was found in Jesus' life and which was which is evident throughout Jesus' life, not just in this example with this woman, Quote an adult, but throughout scripture, if we're not going to do that, if we're not going to, if we're not going to reference that, then we might just be, we might just be following the the wrong light, and so how we follow the right, the true light. Today, as people who are living post Jesus, is to discern, completely discern. Jesus left. Jesus left us with a gift, being the Holy Spirit. He left us with the Holy Spirit. He left us with salvation obviously but he also left us with the holy spirit and also those fruits not just for ourselves but also to see in other people the people that we listen to you can you can even check me 
and compare my actions to the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what I say, my Instagram, whatever, people that we follow, people who pastor us, people we listen to, the worship leaders, everything, every person, all past the body of Christ, our our Christian friends, whoever, the way we see that they're following the, the true light is to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus is to look at the fruits that he bared, which are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so in this time when anything and everything is being said and whatever sounds catchy and um, inspiring and high sounding and spiritual, it's so easy to be to be manipulated and to be like indoctrinated almost to believe that that, that's the true light and most of us I think get a little bit lazy spiritually I'm talking about myself here where we think okay yes this person is pastoring so obviously they are they're, they're, they're right they can't be wrong because I mean yeah this is true what they're saying is true but are we actually going home to see it for ourselves? Not in a, not to not to bear or to look at them with a doubtful lens, but to genuinely spend time with God for ourselves. For example, if I go to church on Sunday, right, and the pastor is teaching, and the teaching was what about whatever, how I apply that teaching to my life starts from what starts by what I do what I come, when I come back from church I'm not saying immediately jump into reading and cross-referencing what the pastor said but keep the keep the keep the spiritual flame um planning keep it going you know we can't just eat on Sunday morning we have to eat throughout the week and most of us see it as oh we have to be consistent but no carry the word that you heard on Sunday throughout the week genuinely read it again, read the scripture that the, that, the, that the pastor was talking about, cross-reference what he was saying um, against the Bible, see what, um, see what the topic was about and see how that pans out in your own Bible time and see what kind of fruit that bears. That's how we, that's how we discern, you know. Obviously, yes, the Holy Spirit will give us you know, the feelings and the unctionings and everything. But also for our personal disciplines, we should also be going into it for ourselves. And that's something that is like, I've been battling. Ugh, I mean, I'm at this church. Yes, it's true, Lord. Like, yeah, what he was saying is very true. That What the pastor was saying is true. Amen. But what am I doing to actually understand it for myself? It's kind of like sitting in a classroom and you're hearing the teacher speak writing down notes, taking the picture. It's actually like that meme where it's like, oh, take me taking a picture of the board and never opening the picture again type of thing. But like, so it can make more sense. It's kind of like sitting in the classroom, doing whatever, and then going home and not opening your book. Come the test, you're not, you haven't opened your book and you're sitting there like, what in the world? I've never heard of this. How am I going to fight this? How am I, gonna, how am I going to pass this? How am I going to pass this test? by opening the book and in this case opening the bible you can't just you can't just take your teacher's word for it not all of us have perfect memory you generally have to write it down read it again talk about it with other people that's how we study the word you know 
and study teachings. And hopefully that example made sense. I just thought about it now. When I thought about it, the Holy Spirit just like deposited, deposited that in my spirit. But yeah, genuinely go home from church. Study the word for yourself. See what that means for you. And see how that can be applied into your personal life. Because we're supposed to go out and be the church. And that's the send off on Amen Alex or the Amen Podcasts. Um, like page like after they preach it's, they say go out and be the church we're supposed to go out and be the church but we have to actually be in church to go out and be the church and also what we get from church has to be applied so that we can go out and be the church so like i said earlier church is not confined to the four walls but it also does have to happen in the four walls so hopefully this has made sense and this episode is one of the ones that I've been excited for. I've been thinking about it for, like, not even for a while. I think it was, like, last week. But, yeah, hopefully this has made sense. And I have so many things I wanted to I want to talk about. There's so many interesting things the Lord has been showing me as of late. And I cannot wait to share it with you guys. So please stay tuned. Once again, thank you so much for a thousand listens. A thousand listens. I am so thankful. I just saw something. That was scary. So that's why I paused there. Thanks so much. Um, I love you. And most importantly, the Lord loves you. As you may or may not know, Christians are being persecuted in other countries on a daily basis. So I believe it's up to us Christians, fellow believers in Christ, to support them either financially or spiritually. So would you please, please, please click the link in my bio under persecuted Christians, support them financially and join me in prayer either five minutes, two minutes a day just to pray for them and pray for their strength and their courage to continue worshipping God and to continue following Jesus. Thank you.